welcome to the Women of Fintech podcast series. We are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges and walk the talk for change across the entire financial technology industry. Today we are joined by Tracy Davis, the president of Money 2020. Tracy is an experienced president who specializes in turnaround and growth strategy. Much of her experience has been gained in private equity-owned organizations such as KKR and Apex. Tracy is the founder of Rise Up, an accelerator program that takes place at Money 2020 to support the increase of women in senior roles in the financial services and fintech industries globally. According to the Fintech magazine, she is one of the top 100 women in fintech globally and is here with me today to share her work with us all. Super excited to have you, Tracy. Oh, I'm really excited to be here. Finally. Finally. We got here. Finally. We got here. So, tell us in your words, what is it all about being president of Money 2020? Well, I think uh, when I was on site at Las Vegas last year, I got a bit excited and told a journalist it was the best job in the world. So Ah, maybe I'll just stick with that. I mean, it's a really fun job. And, um, you know, I come from outside of the finance industry. You know, I'm a a media owner, if you like, in the sense of I run media brands. That's what I've done for many years. And Money 2020 is the world's largest fintech series of events. And we bring the ecosystem together to do business. And it's very simple. And, um, you know, it's a lot of fun because if you've been to Money 2020, you know, it's not a normal uh, kind of event. We have a lot of fun. There's a a lot of get togethers and we put a style on it that um, makes it a really great experience for people who come. So it's a lot of fun. It's really unique, isn't it? And just so memorable, which I think is the basis of great relationships. Yeah, I mean, it comes from the foundation that... um, we wanted people to have a great time. And if people have a great time, they stay longer and mm. want to do more business. So, you know, it works for everyone. But I think you've seen that sort of trend now where people, you know, the festivalization and people going to events uh, in their personal lives and expecting that same standard in their business lives. And I think mm. you've seen that as a trend come through. And so um, the world's best events have to do that. And we love doing that. Um, but yeah, we make it memorable. We say it's the place where people love to do business. So yeah. That's our sort of yeah. Well, tagline. that is a great tagline, isn't it? Um, now, look, you've touched a bit about your your previous career before Money Twenty Twenty. I know you built it on successful growth strategies. So it'd be great for you to tell us more about your journey. Well, I started as a salesperson. Well, it's not true actually. I started in fashion, uh, and yeah, that wasn't the career for me. So I did a switch early on into into sales. So my background for most of my career was was selling, and I came up that route and then became a GM. Um, but in B2B and B2C media, I worked in national newspapers, etc. When print newspapers and print magazines were still a thing. That's quite a while ago. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Uh, and then into sort of digital and uh, then to event brands. But um, most of my career has been on um, brands serving the B2B community, helping them do their jobs better. And I just, I guess the thread that runs through my career is always being attracted to a business that wants to go somewhere else, wants mm. to be something else, or has a problem that needs fixing. So I'm, I've always been drawn mm. to that kind of scenario. And you mentioned the sort of PE background. Well, those businesses, those back businesses want growth. And so ultimately that's what yeah. I specialise in, sort of growing or changing businesses. And the 2020 is no different. So that's what I've done. And I love that thread because a lot of people, and I say this all the time in these pods, a lot of people think... The fintech world has to be filled, or the financial technology world has to be filled with people who've who've completed a computer science degree. 
you know, and, and look, you know, it's not it's not the case. It's about solving problems and um, new problems, problems we never ever thought were problems before. Um, and I think that's fantastic the way that you've spoken us through that. Looking back at your career and that journey, um, I love asking this question. What would you say has been your biggest lesson? That's a really hard question. <laughs> I think that with age comes wisdom. So, you know, I wouldn't say I was uh, wise of this all years but certainly I've become very aware of the importance of focus and not trying to do 10 things at once and I think you know I love that kind of the the crazy busy and getting stuff done but I've learned the real value that I can create is by doing three things and doing them brilliantly and that has been a very hard lesson to do myself and lead through a business and I fall off that wagon sometimes I can tell you but I think that focus and knowing the seven things that you're not going to do versus the three you are going to do I think that is, um, you know, the benefit of, uh, of wisdom, as we shall mm. say. And I think the second thing is on a more personal level, and I think a lot of people have sort of really thought about this, maybe through the difficult times we've had, is that um, many people can be their worst critic, and I can be far harder on myself than anyone could ever be on mm. me. And I think learning to be a bit kinder on yourself is an important thing. Mm. And I think maybe uh, certainly people, but particularly a lot of women have become, become very conscious of that, that sometimes we can get in our own way with just being our worst critic. Mm. Um, and that voice that you know constantly chastises you that it's not good enough, you need to do more, and really just spotting that when it comes in. Mm. I think that is um, a valuable lesson that I could do well to learn myself. Yeah. Really powerful, both of those. Um, and you know what, both of those are things that I am going to really take on board today and make sure I don't try and do those 10 Every to 20 Every day is things. a new day. Yeah. And, and you're absolutely right. Focus and just not being so hard on yourself. It, it's really, really key. And yeah, what, what powerful lessons. Now, rise up. I'm really excited for you to tell us all about it. I, I, I love everything I've read about it. Um, I know a number of people involved in it. Tell us all about it. Well, Rise Up, uh, it started in 2018 now, seems such a long time ago, but it was a very simple concept of doing something tangible to change the status quo. And, you know, when I first got involved in Money 2020, I was shocked at the lack of women at Money 2020 speaking on the stages and in the industry generally, not just, you know, Money 2020 or the visibility, shall we mm. say. And I think for me, it was about doing something tangible rather than let's do you know a reception for women which is you know those things are fantastic but i wanted something that had a legacy and had um had tangibility if you like and so rise up was created and it was a starting point and it's very simple it's a program that runs at each of the shows that we do it's an accelerator if you like for about 30 35 women who apply to the process and we create this three or four day program where we bring them together and I think the tangible part of the tangibility and belief is that networks are very powerful and there's a lot of research around the focus on doing a good job getting great results which of course is a really important part but the uh, ignoring building a network is a real inhibitor to career growth um, and one of the really important things was about bringing this cohort of women each time together to build a network amongst themselves and connecting them to networks, i.e. people in powerful positions today who have the power, who could mentor, support, 
etc. And so that was the tangibility. It was it was the building of that network. And now 250, more than 250 women have been through the program. More than half have moved into a more senior role. And we only recruit. We don't say, oh, you have to be this level or that level. We just recruit on ambition. Do you want to rise up? Do you want to progress? And we don't care if it's one level or you want to be CEO. It doesn't matter to us. It's all about getting what you want. And often the programme is about deciding what you want. It's a very emotional experience. And I wasn't ready for that, seeing the cohort go through the programme and how cathartic and how empowering it was. I don't think we quite realised what we were creating. But it came in tandem with other things. At that point, only 15% of the speakers on our stages were women. Today, it's around 45 to 50% somewhere like that this year. Um, So it was coupled with a whole, and I know Walk the Talk um, is a big part of your mission. And because we couldn't run a female empowerment programme, but not, you know, live that in our business, both internally and externally. So it came in tandem with the changes that we wanted to put through um, in terms of becoming a diverse show of gender. And obviously we've now moved on to look at all forms of diversity. Mm. It's not just about gender, but we started with gender. It's fantastic, isn't it, when you when you want to create something tangible and it sort of grows ahead of you, it feels like you learn from it. And it sounds like that's what's happened with yeah. this. Um, just such positive language you're using, you know, the, the empowered side of it, um, catharsis around it, I think it's just so interesting. Um, and the fact that so many of these women, nearly 50%, have moved into more senior positions because you know, we talk about mentoring, and mentoring is fantastic, but the advocacy and that networking is, is just so key to turning that learning into action. And, yeah, I, I totally love everything about Rise Up. How can people get involved in it? You simply apply. So we've closed that we're about to, we're up soon to do the Europe show, 7th to the 9th of June. So the programme will run there. Those, that cohort have been selected. But we will be opening Vegas applications, Money 2020 USA, around July time so the best thing is um, either connect with me and then I'll uh, send you the link and so I'm on LinkedIn just message me and I'll connect with you or watch our website because and our social media because we'll announce it so it'll be at some point in July and you apply and as I said the application is not about level it's about you just write your reason that you want to be there and we blind judge um, is the other thing completely so that we uh, you know remove any biases from our processes um, and we've always had a very diverse program. And um, so it's simply apply. Now we get way more demand than we can cope with. And it's a really difficult thing because the program needs to be small to, to achieve all the benefits. Um, but we're now looking at what the wider benefits um, in terms of we're doing a special meetup for women um, in Europe, et cetera, et cetera. So simply apply. Lovely. Okay, great. And look, all of this is about tangible action it's about change it's about changing how how we are introduced to one another how we network how we learn about new opportunities all of this is so linked to what the workplace actually looks like and i know we've had a number of conversations about this but what do you think needs changing to allow for authentic inclusion to really be the the dna and and the oxygen of an organization and I think the key in that sentence is authentic. 
Oh, gosh, I wish I knew all the answers to this because I think we're still trying to figure it out. I think there are reasons to have hope. A lot of changes come, I think, in the past three or four years, and I think that change is speeding up. But still, we live with quite an entrenched um, issue. And it's a frustrating one because when you look at the facts, diverse businesses are more successful businesses. This has been, you know, McKinsey, I think, wrote the original mm -hmm. report on that. So you sort of think, well, if it's fact, why is it? But, you know, this is entrenched behaviours, entrenched systems, etc., etc. But I do think there is hope. But then you kind of get set back. So, look, firstly, I think the, the leaders of the business have to role model it. They have to believe it. They have to live it. it you know, the top of an organisation has to look diverse or be diverse authentically diverse and and see that you, you have to have that but i think often there is a stuck layer in the middle i think there's some research out yesterday saying that you know men middle managers you know a third of them don't necessarily believe that you need gender balance to move an organization forward and etc etc so i still think you've got some stuckness in the middle so you've got great visionary changes coming at the top but how do you push that through an organization so uh, i think the only way is measuring, measuring and transparency and publishing data to a bigger degree than we do now, mm. um, because that will affect change faster mm. than we're seeing. And, you know, there's obviously some good initiatives around, um, certainly we've seen in the UK, but I think we probably need to go faster to solve the problem mm. quicker. Um, but it's a, it's a bit of a stuck, complex issue, but I think there's a lot of hope change mm. and you know we're seeing we're seeing good progress but it just needs to come a bit faster yeah absolutely and totally back what you're saying there about the measurement um we've, we've got to see the the scale of the problem and and then measure if we're improving upon that or or going backwards now our audience love to be left with a call to action i'm i'm always quite demanding of anyone that listens to a podcast or comes to an event because i think you know we're here to learn so let's go and put that learning into action what would be your call to action to our audience when they're thinking about what they can do to affect workplace inclusion well, i think ultimately it comes down to power and i think you know it can be big power or it can be small power um, and i think it's just knowing what your power is mm what you know whatever your role in an organization i was running money 2020 so i could launch rise up that's that's big power and you can use that platform too but there's also small power in the organization making sure everyone is heard in a meeting making sure that the right people are in the room when you're making decisions so i think it's being really clear about what power do i have to affect change because i see it quite a lot of times that it's well, what are you going to do about this and i think of course there are you know elements of people who have bigger roles to play who can make bigger change but I do think if we change the dialogue to what can we all do um, you know there's a lot of recruiting that happens at lower down in organizations and you know you can make a change every day and you know this is something we ask of our recruitment partners when we're working with them you know how are you going to support us to hit the targets that we want to hit and be the organization we want to be so I think it's knowing your power and small power can have as much impact sometimes as big power so know your power and use it intentionally well i absolutely love that know your power everyone has some sort of power and it's a responsibility to use it so tracy thank you so much today um i've learned so much i know our audience will love this uh, podcast and it's been brilliant having you on the women of fintech podcast series thank you i'm really honored <laughs>